Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of A Few Goodmen, where we talk about the movies of John Goodman. This week, we're talking Argo, the 2012 Best Picture winner. Uh, I love this movie. Dana, what'd you think? I um, I I, I really I really enjoyed this movie. Uh, I I think love might be a strong word for me to use, but I uh, um, I really like it. You platonically admire it. Yeah, I just have some like personal reasons that have nothing to do with the movie well it's like it's the, the 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 politics behind the movie is a little bit um they they skate over some stuff that distracts me from loving it well like what like what what in particular i'm not too familiar with the real life situation behind the movie other than some of the parts were obviously like you know, edited to make them more exciting for a movie. Okay, so um, for those who are unaware, um, we watched Argo, and Argo is uh, about the 1979 Iranian uh, hostage crisis, and uh, more more specifically about the retrieval of these six um, hostages. Well, not hostages; they were people who escaped from being hostage and hid out in the Canadian embassy. Uh, and then Canada had taken credit for it for a long time in order to avoid this huge thing with the other hostages. Um, and it has to do with the um, Isotola um, taking over from the Shah. Now, the part that they completely skip over is the fact that I think it's like 1953, um, the Shah took power through a U.S.-backed coup that was done in order so that the U.S. would have... M- uh, more secured oil rights. Um, so yeah, the, yeah, I believe that. That sounds the, like something they do. The CIA were the ones who um, actually set up that brutal dictator because he was more U.S. friendly. And now this whole movie is kind of like, look how brave and you know heroic the CIA are. They don't even you know like, oh, we didn't do this to take credit. If we wanted to take credit, we joined the circus and. Yeah, it's a little propaganda. Yeah, there is a that is an, that is a, a line in the movie. Yeah, it is a little propaganda, but like as a movie, like as a movie and as like a story that it tells, it's fantastic. Oh yeah, no, I'm just saying that that for me, my personal self, that is enough for me to like. I I can't say I love it. I think it's a brilliantly made film. Um, with amazing performances, uh, directed by by Mister Mister Batfleck, um, who is who? It's been a while since he's made a movie, hasn't it? Yeah, um, he... which is strange because he's a fantastic filmmaker. Like if you look at some of the movies that he's either like been a part of or has directed, stuff like Gone Baby Gone, and I this. haven't seen Gone Baby Gone or The Town. I didn't see The Town. Uh, uh, and of course, uh, Goodwill Hunting is an incredible movie. Like, really, Ben Affleck is a severely underrated filmmaker. I think, like, people really should be talking about him the same way that they would talk about, say, Scorsese or Coppola. Uh, I don't. Okay, I wouldn't go that far yet. Um, okay, uh, but like, Coppola made two good movies. Yeah, and Scorsese's made like fifteen. That's true. Uh, I couldn't think, but like, 
of the like, yeah, I guess like Scorsese has been around longer, but like, yeah, that's Gwen what I'm saying. Affleck like, is the same age. Yeah, I'm saying that's what I'm saying. Don't like it's it's way too soon to uh, compare him to like a Scorsese, but he definitely deserves um, more recognition. He, I would I would definitely at the very least put him on a higher t- tier than Tim Burton. Yeah, yeah, totally. I feel like one of the things that's preventing Affleck from being like all that he can be is the fact that he's defending his dirtbag brother. Um, and that's kind of put him in the, you know, not of a so great light in contemporary times. Oh, right. Kelsey Affleck did creepy shit. And continues to do creepy shit, even though he's still allowed in, in, um, you know, he's still allowed in Hollywood because, you know, good old, good old white privilege. He won an Oscar the year that all that shit came out too. Yeah, exactly. If, if uh, any any sort of minority did half the stuff he did, they they would be completely blacklisted from Hollywood. But he's got a very powerful brother um, who's taken a taken one on the chin to make sure that the, both their careers don't go in the toilet. But that's not what this movie is. Uh, Casey Affleck is not in it. Uh, <laughs> no, he's not. Um, although I must admit that Casey Affleck is in one of my favorite westerns from the last fifteen years. Um, but that's. Uh, not because he's was in it. Was that the Jesse James one? Yeah, the assassination of Jesse James by the cowardly Robert Ford. Uh, That's too long of a title. Yeah, cut it in half. Yeah, um, Brad Pitt's uh, Brad Pitt's brilliant in it. Uh, I'm a I'm a big Brad Pitt fan. Um, I I will definitely defend defend that opinion. But uh, so you love this film. I I uh, I, I like this film quite a bit. Um, also, just something to get out of the way because this is something that is the potential of two uh, two white Canadians is the fact that everybody, so many people pronounce Iran incorrectly, and I know it pisses off Persians. Um, <laughs> also, people as in like Iran. Yeah. Also, another thing that pisses them off is when you think that people who are from Iran are um, Arab when most of them are Persian. Um, so yeah. That's just getting all the politics out of the way because this is actually a very political film, uh, but also kind of an in, kind of a little bit insider baseball when it comes to um, uh, like cinema itself. There's this one line that I think is brilliant because of the not only because of the line but because of the actors involved in it. When John Goodman's character says to Ben Affleck, who is the director of this film, that he could train. Um, a monkey to be a director in a day. But yeah. Um, uh, I really like John Goodman in this movie. Like I, this is like the second or third movie in like recent memory where John Goodman has played a movie producer of some sort, but it kind of works. Yeah. John Goodman is in the person he's playing is the real, you know, they're all real people. Um, John Chapman, um, who is actually, no, John Chambers, um, uh, who is actually a quite a, uh, substantial person in like Hollywood history outside of Argo. Uh, he won the very first Academy Award for makeup. Um, 
I, I believe that because he was a prosthetics guy, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, he was like monster movies mostly. Uh, most famously, he was the person behind all the original five Planet of the Apes movies, which is referenced um, in this movie. But that is, yeah, he is. Uh, he had quite an illustrious career. Um, yeah, and you know, was also you know, side note, was also involved in one of you know the most substantial CIA operatives uh, of uh, the seventies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, who I, I should specify who I one of the most declassified, one of the most substantial declassified uh, CIA operators. Yes. Who knows what those shady people have been up to. I, I got to say that I absolutely love Brian Cranston in this movie. Like the dude is just classic. Cool. And this, like he was in this movie when he was like the biggest star in the world. So it was like, I like, I, it was a little distracting at the time to be like, Ooh, there's Heisenberg. But like now enough time has passed between breaking bad and now for me to just let, to be able to buy Brian Can- Cranston as a non Walter White character again. So I enjoyed it more this time and I enjoyed his performance more. And it was real like I just thought he was really cool in this movie. Like, yeah, most of his act most of his lines were just like yelling, like, who okayed that? Get the president <laughs> on the phone. But <laughs> I don't know. I just thought he was really good in this. Oh, no. But, okay. So, Brian Cranston does have one of my favorite lines in the movie. Uh, because there are some, like, legitimately funny lines in this movie where he... Ah, go fuck yourself. Yeah, I found that one to be one of the least. Um, I found it to be such an unfunny line that they repeat, like, a dozen times. But, no. They repeat it three times. No, they don't. They repeat it so many times. Because one of them says it, and then like they all like take turns saying it, like on phone calls and stuff like that. Anyway, um, no, he's talking to somebody and he's asking them like if they know something, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have that information." And he's like, um, "We're spies. Fucking figure it out. <laughs> Fucking find it." <laughs> yeah, but you know who is my favorite in- person in this movie? Alan Arkin. Alan Arkin. Oh. Al- Alan Arkin's hilarious. Alan Arkin, he, he he's basically like playing the character he played in BoJack Horseman. Yeah, he's just, he's <laughs> just essentially he's just a grumpy old man, but a movie producer. Um, yeah, because he's he's the movie producer they go to. So yeah, so if you haven't seen this movie and you're actually listening to this podcast, they decide to uh, make a fake movie in order to get into Iran to. Um, to rescue these six Americans under the guise that they are all Canadians uh, and that these six people were um, members of the film crew. Uh, You know, very, very clever, uh, very clever operative that is entirely based in, in reality. Um, They even, they even do that thing that, that movies love to do whenever, whenever they're based off real people where they have like the side by side, you know, montage at the very end. And you know what? They did pretty good. Yeah, except for Victor Garber. Victor Garber looked nothing like his character, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, yeah. I really liked... I, w- I was excited to see Richard Kind in this movie as well, but, like, he had one scene... And so, and he never came back. And I was like, but I love that guy. That guy's great and everything. Who, who is that? He played the, uh, 
he played the guy who wrote the script for Argo that they were like negotiating. Alan Arkin was negotiating with, being like, "Oh, I, you're like, uh, oh, no, he... MGM's about to go bust. That your script's not going to be worth he anything." Didn't... I don't think he was the scriptwriter. He was the guy who was. Um... He's whoever ha- was in charge of the screen. Yeah, uh, like the uh, the movie studio. Um, oh yeah, now now that you say that, I. I he's the kind of person who I always recognize, but I can, but if you were to show me a picture of him and ask me like just out of the blue name, a single movie he's been in, I I would have, um, I would struggle. Uh, Did you ever see uh, the Coen brothers, a serious man? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and now, now, yeah, he's the he's the brother in that. Oh yeah, now, and, oh my god, what a fantastic! Now that you that mention is. it, I go like, oh yeah, of course. I'm I'm saying he's just like somebody who like he disappears into all the movies he's in. Yeah, that's why he's so good. Totally. Um, yeah, you know who actually disappeared into this movie, and I didn't even realize it was her until the very end, it is a uh, Clea Duvall. Who who did she play? She plays. Uh, I'm pretty sure she's like one of the six, um, like uh, like the the one with the the very 70s hair. Uh, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. Um, who? But of course, like the the number one movie I've seen Clea Duvall in is um, "But I'm a Cheerleader," which she was, you know, I don't know, like ten or so years younger. This is the first time I've ever heard of this movie. But I'm a cheerleader. Yeah. Oh, it's actually an amazing movie. Um, it's starring uh, Clea Duvall and, and Natasha Lyonne. And Natasha Lyonne is a cheerleader who uh, who is gay, and all of her friends think all of her friends and family think that she's gay, and they, she gets sent to a conversion therapy um, camp. And that's where she meets Clea Duvall's character, and they they fall in love. And it's got the As and it's do. got the guy who played Rufio in it, and um, and RuPaul plays like a a you know quote unquote successfully converted gay. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great comedy. Um, also, just to tie things up, you know, in an interesting circle to speaking of movies and and queer themes and Clea Duvall. Uh, she just, re- she just directed this movie happiest season and Victor Garber is also in that movie. So yeah, small world. Well, we've got to, we've got, we found the bacon le- level. here. I think. <laughs> uh, you know how, you know how a... you always, how you said you always, or used to always see, um, um, Oh shoot! I, you know Walter White. Whenever you saw Brian Cranston, Brian Cranston, um, yeah. There's still a little, little bit of me that whenever I I see Victor Garber, I think of the character he played in Titanic. Uh, who did he play in I'm Titanic? Sure. I, it's been so many years since I've seen that movie because I fucking hate it. <laughs> I you can I cannot tell you how much I hate Titanic. Well, what? 
I don't like I don't ever I've I've tried I've tried so many times because like I know people love it I know it's one of those like one of the best movies of all time movies and every time I try to watch it I'm like it's just a movie about a fucking boat and then they hit an iceberg and then Leonardo DiCaprio freezes to death in the water and I'm supposed to feel sad um I mean like I haven't seen that film since I was a teenager uh, I'm pretty sure he played uh, the the guy who designed the ship. Um, okay, the one who is like, this is unthinkable. Yeah, I I saw that movie multiple times. Like I owned it on VHS, uh, and I saw it. Yeah, okay. And if you had it on VHS, it came in two VHSs. That's how fucking long this movie was. And it didn't deserve to be as long as it was. It would have been a great movie if it were half the length. See, I was just like a real big... um, I loved the history. And, like, I read books about Titanic when I was that age. And so, like, that was... Oh no! I've done I've done I've done some deep dives on the Titanic because it's fucking fascinating, and that's what's the worst part about the movie Titanic is they took this historical event that's so interesting and so morbid, so macabre, and they made it. Did you boring. know that there is a three D animation of the Titanic disaster that is done out in real time on YouTube? Yeah, I've watched <laughs> it. And the building of Titanic too. I didn't. I didn't know anything about the building of Titanic. So one of my friends uh, back in PEI, um, she has a son who is an age. I bad at keeping track of children. Um, young, very young, but um, on the spectrum, and is unbelievably knowledgeable about Titanic and and anything ship related. Um, so whenever I find stuff out about the Titanic that's new, because he's keeping track of the Titanic too, I send it to my friend and she's like, I already know. Like, <laughs> so, you know, I've heard yeah, about it. Yeah. My like seven year old has beat you to the punch. Um, but yeah, <laughs> we got there via Victor Garber who plays Ken Taylor in the movie. We're actually talking about uh, who is the Canadian uh, embassy. And they actually got like, they actually got a Canadian to play the Canadian. Um, how about that? I mean, that's not <laughs> you know, good old representation. <laughs> as a as a Canadian, I've never felt underrepresented in movies. I don't. <laughs> yeah, that's because Canadians typically have a good sense good sense of humor about the way that we're portrayed in um, American media. Uh, Dude, South Park. That's the be- that's the funniest portrayal of Canada. I think. Ever. <laughs> um. Actually, you know what the funny thing is, is that like all the negative, you know, quote unquote negative portrayals of Canada are the res- are the fault of Canadians, more specifically SCTV, because they are the ones who like popularized that particular Ontario accent as being the quote unquote Canadian accent. Oh, this I'm <laughs> I'm Bob, and this is my brother Doug. Yeah, right so here. like. Canada was the one who made the joke first, and then people throw back our own joke at us to try to make fun of us, and that's why it doesn't bother us. Um, so yeah, there's some insight into nothing. Uh, so yeah, how? So you said you weren't very knowledgeable about about this whole thing um, outside of the movie. Um, um, I under I like from I do know that like 
I know that like the movie has dramatized a lot of what happened here. Like for instance, all that shit at the airport didn't actually happen. Pretty much he did like he got like them sneaking into the country was the challenging part. Getting them out wasn't as hard. Yeah, yeah. But here's the thing, like I, I actually found that the whole airport scene somewhat anticlimactic because um I know that historically not a single hostage was killed, like going into it. Um Yeah, see, and I found that last scene like I thought the finale was intense, it was extremely well put together, and I think that this movie could have very easily been oh, awful. Yeah. Like if you like there's if like one thing went wrong in this movie, it would have sucked. But like they managed to get like because it's a very short story. Basically, the guy goes to a country, he gets him out. That's the end of the movie. There's a fake movie in the background. Like it's not a very long story, and they managed to like make it interesting. They managed to make seemingly minor details really interesting. Like when they're at the airport and the tickets aren't okayed until Jimmy Carter okays it and he okays it at the last second. That was interesting. And really all that was happening in that scene was a guy was trying to check in for his first flight. Yeah, I mean, like, if you weren't familiar with the act, with how it, how it, you know, it turns out, the consequence is that they would have been executed, um, possibly at the airport. But, uh, like I said, it is, you know, it is kind of like watching the Titanic in the sense that you're not really wondering if the boat's going to sink. Um, you, I would love if they made a, a Titanic sequel and the big twist is the <laughs> boat didn't sink and everyone oh, got okay. back fine. This is a little... And if the, it was longer than the original, but with less Okay, this conflict. is a little bit of a of maybe one of our most tangential tangents ever, but I was describing the, the other night the plot to, of Hamlet's 2 to somebody. Do you remember watching that movie, Professivus? I do remember watching And how that there's movie. like, they made, it was like a high school that wrote a sequel to Hamlet, and it involved time travel and picking up Jesus. And yeah, Jesus? Yeah, and he, I, Rock the sexy Jesus. But he was like, oh, I got to get back. If my dad knew what I was up to, he'd crucify me. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Festivus is coming up. It's on the 23rd. It yeah. is. Oh, oh my God. Just under two soon. weeks away from uh, when we're recording this. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, that's. I can't. I, I can honestly say I've not celebrated Festivus in like since the last time we celebrated it. Together. I've celebrated it. I think once in once or twice in Prince Edward Island, and um, a, a friend of a friend of my roommate and I, who is this behemoth, like the lovable, like the lovable giant, like just a sweetheart, but you know, kind of a Lenny like character. He. Uh, he pinned my roommate at the end of the night. <laughs> yeah. Festivus is not over until you pin me, George. <laughs> so yeah. Um... So the one thing I one, one thing I do want to talk about is you know, we were talking recently off the podcast about how you don't like it when movies make you feel stress. Now I felt a lot of stress in, at the end of this movie but in a way that's fun. What okay. did you, like, how did you feel? Like, you said that the finale didn't do much for you because you knew no, the no, outcome. No, no, no. Is it just... Not now, let's, let's be more specific. 
I say I don't enjoy comedies that make me feel stressed. Uh, but also, when it comes to, like, I don't know, I know the outcome, but like, I, but something like Breaking Bad, I just, it, it really frustrated me because it was all built around really just unnecessary lies. And just watching it just makes me, just made me feel like unwell. Cause I was like, just be honest to your wife. Like, just be honest to your kid. Like, it would be so much easier than making meth. Um, but like, then that's not. Yeah, a TV exactly. Show. And so I, I, I stopped watching it and uh, I meant to get back to it, but it's been um, nine years. So I doubt that's going to happen. Um, yeah. Plus, somebody told me. Plus, I, I heard the what I think is the very ending of it. I don't know. I don't care. Um, I acknowledge the fact that it is a, a TV show that people really enjoy. I just don't enjoy um, enjoy it. But something like, uh, for instance, like some movies, like uh, the movie It Follows, which is I, which is a movie I absolutely love. I love the way that it utilizes that tension with very long shots and building up of tension. I just don't really like. Like, for instance, one of the examples I gave you was when I was a teenager uh, watching Meet the Parents. Um, all the unnecessary lies that he does to make himself look better. But it's just like I just like something like that or uh, there's something about Mary or just basically name any other like Ben Stiller movie from that era. Any <laughs> yeah. I was about to say, like, it just sounds like you've got a beef with Ben like, Stiller. I just don't like honestly. that that kind of. I just I, I just don't find that kind of stuff funny um, because although but isn't that kind of what Seinfeld not is? really the stakes are never high um, because you know the stakes are never high but the stakes are always personal embarrassment and that's always the prize won at every episode of yeah Seinfeld. but you knew that they had the mandate that at the end of every episode nothing will change and to anything um so you know that yeah. like no matter what happens, it's inconsequential. Whereas like, I, like I, a show like um, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, like I was watching the very first episode because I was like, I was living in the UK and It's Always Sunny is on UK Netflix. So I was like, hey, I've been shown like a smattering of episodes of the show and it's always funny. Um, in Phil It's always funny in, in Philadelphia. And... I started watching episode one and there's this like they go to like a college to try to like make like to try to like recruit black people for the or something like that. <laughs> and it made me feel like it made me feel so just uh, like uncomfortable watching it that I, I was like I had even though I'm a huge fan of Malcolm Barrett, who is like at the very beginning of the episode, like the black guy who is in the bar and they're like, Hey, Hey, like what's going on here? Where, where it's, um, it's D's or whatever her name is. Um, bird's friend. They found it. They just yeah, assume, yeah. you know, they assume that he's like up to no good because you know, he's not white. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's something about it's, it's my own, it's my own issue. It's my own issue. That's the thing. Um, like that movie I mentioned to you, uh, happiest season. It took me three sittings to watch the entire thing because um, the two main characters pretending to be straight 
in front of the one character's really conservative family. It made me feel so uncomfortable that I could only watch it in like 20 or 30 minute bits before having to turn it off. Um, I've never oh, yeah, that that's because you're not you're not, you know, tapped into the queer scene. It's been all the talk on on. Um... Hey, 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 I just finished Shit's Shit's Creek. I'll have you know, I'm really hit. But um, it's been all the talk on 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 TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Um... I love how like a month ago you were just like, I'll never have TikTok. And now you're like, OK, well, you're not caught up on TikTok. <laughs> well, that was because I didn't, you know, I'm going to be honest. I, I, I saw the stuff that people were sharing from TikTok on their uh, Instagram stories, and I didn't like any of it. And that's none of the stuff that I get um, because the algorithm is scarily accurate to what your interests are. And I get a... I should get in. I should get into it. I should. I just don't like. Yeah, I mean, I've never, I've never posted anything. I've contemplated trying to do stuff like minute long explanations of philosophy, but like I'm taking a little bit of an academic break. Um, a friend of mine actually just just posted a TikTok video that has something like two hundred thousand. But if you start watching TikTok, like ignore like the first two hours of you like scrolling through stuff. Because it's like figuring out like, but just make sure that if you see something you don't like to like scroll to the next thing quickly and, you know, it will notice what you're actually paying attention to. And then their crazy, scarily, you know, intelligent robots will go like, oh, Mark wants to watch this and it'll give you exactly that. So that's why you haven't been getting all the lesbian hot takes on um, who should have ended up with who in uh, Happiest Season. I mean, what is happening? Okay, so what, like, it's it's a movie. a movie. It's a movie oh. about the this couple, these two ladies, um, Kristen Stewart and someone else, um, uh, who's who's played by Mackenzie Davis, uh, and they're going home to Mackenzie Davis's family. Well, not the actor; she plays Harper. Anyway, on the way there, they find out that. Um, she's not out to her parents. So they have to pretend that they're like, they're just friends who are roommates. Um, but it was like Abby, who's Kristen Stewart's character's plan to in- propose. And here's the other thing you say like, Ooh, you just finished watching Shit's Creek. Daniel Levy is in this movie. So, so yeah. Okay. Also Alison Brie and Aubrey Plaza. Yeah. It's got an amazing cast. It wasn't as it wasn't well, the movie that we deserved. Um, it could have been better. Um, no, well, it's it not a great a movie. movie. It's but you know I'm I'm glad I gave money uh, to to watch it because yeah you know, I, I I love supporting queer cinema and it's like very seldom that you find like queer storylines especially in like a Christmas movie. But yeah, but yeah, yeah, that's true. That's especially a movie like Love Actually, where they like it's was supposed to be a movie that's like we're celebrating all forms of love, and yet all of it yeah. was heterosexual. <laughs> yeah, with the exception of like Bill Nye and like his manager, but that wasn't like a heter- homosexual relationship. That was just like, hey, we're two buddies. We're gonna drink beer and watch <laughs> yeah. porn now. Oh, Bill Nye is, uh he's one of the best parts about that movie. That movie, he's the, probably, he's the best that movie part of that is movie both simultaneously sure. good and horrible. 
I agree. I like it used to be one of my favorites and watching like it doesn't age well, but like the parts that are good. Well, more are specifically, really it's not good. a matter that it doesn't age well. It's just that it's one of those things that's like, you know, it's like really sweet until you think about it for like more than two minutes. <laughs> exactly. Like the like the going to the guys ha- going to like Kira Knightley's house with the billboard or like with the signs that are like, I love you. You're gorgeous. You're the best. That would be really or fucking utilizing creepy. the very first conversation you've had with somebody in their own language to propose to them. No, it's not. Creepy? It's not as much creepy as it's just like it's not romantic. <laughs> Oh, you mean like, yes, that was the very first time they spoke to each other in a fluent language, other than the language of love. Yeah, and he like like... just saw her dive into water and look all sexy, and he's like, yeah, that's the person I'm going to marry. Someone I literally know nothing about, except for the fact that she's hot. And that's... So none of this has also anything that to one do guy with has like a foursome <laughs> um, in the middle of like this family film. <laughs> for some reason, like I don't know why. Like I kept waiting for something to happen with that plot, and they're like, "No, it just yeah." And then he brings back a girl, and then he she just starts making out with his friend. Um, yeah. Like what? Like like what happens yeah. in real life uh, all the time. Um, just a little bit of a you know heads up for our um, avid listener. Uh, on Christmas Day, we're going to be having a Christmas um, themed episode because Christmas is on a Friday this year, and we're going to be watching. Um, what is it called again? Love the uh, Love the Coopers. The Coopers, yeah, they which in the, the which in the UK like is called Christmas with the Coopers, and it's another one of those like ensemble, like oh, the cast of this movie looks so good. Um, like you see Diane Keaton and John Goodman as a couple. That's 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 such a cool that's such I a cool combination. That. Plus, it's got Alan Arkin in it. A a. Um, yeah, also another Alan, Alan Arkin, Arkin movie that has John Goodman in it, which is is um, Mother Night, which I also want to do pretty soon because it's based off a um, Kurt Vonnegut book I read this year. Very good. And Steve Martin is in it. But yeah, it's got like 34% on Rotten Tomatoes and the audience score is even lower than that. Oh, I can't wait. Um, oh, I can't wait. Uh, do we have anything else to say about what, Argo So Yeah, John Goodman. Um, he's playing this... Yeah, let's talk. This is a John Goodman podcast. We should probably mention <laughs> this. We should probably mention this guy at some point. Yeah, John podcast. Goodman. I feel like he was one of the top contenders for like performances, but he wasn't. He he wasn't nominated for anything for this movie. No, he wasn't. I I imagine that like Alan Arkin probably. I'm just looking was. up right now the Academy Award. Yeah, yeah, Alan Arkin for. Because this was a this was a big Oscar movie. This won Best Picture the year that it came out. Uh, in fact, the the big controversy behind this movie is what is this won Best Picture, but Ben Affleck was not nominated for Best Director, 
And this that is the first time that has ever happened in the Oscars history where the uh, the person who the 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 big movie that won everything wasn't nominated can't, in the director that can't be, categories. That can't be true. And that you that know was what? the first time. I'm currently, you know, I think it was it was like the first time or it was like the second time. Like it um, very rarely I'm happens. currently watching this series on TikTok where a person's watching and reviewing every single best picture winner. Um so yeah, that's the kind of things I get on TikTok. But yeah, it won best picture, it won best adapted screenplay and it won best film editing. Um it was nominated for best supporting actor Alan Arkin, nominated for best original score, best sound yeah. editing and best sound mixing. Um, I'm I'm I always feel very uneducated when it, when when people are talking about like um, certain categories of the Academy Awards, like the the sound mixing versus sound editing. Sound mixing. Even though I have yeah, a diploma have no in recording arts, I and... clearly I'm not using it. And I, and I also, and I also went to school to study music and recording, and I still don't know yeah, what it means um, by sound mixing. And also, like I watched it on my laptop. Uh, I originally watched it in the movie theater, so that would have been a better indicator of like the sound quality. But today, I watched it on my laptop, so I wasn't getting like crazy sound stuff. But yeah, Alan Arkin is definitely the best actor in the movie. Um, it makes sense that he was nominated, but I mean, like throw. Ben Affleck did a good job. He did like a good enough job. I wouldn't be like, oh my god, Ben Affleck was amazing in this movie. But this, but Ben Affleck, he deserved the best director nod, nod at the very least because this was the a best thing that Ben Affleck did movie. as an actor in this film was that he didn't distract from the movie. Like he, uh, he, he wasn't a standout performance by any stretch because he's just kind of. He was just kind of being Ben Affleck in it. But at the same time, he wasn't so Ben Affleck that you're like, hey, that's like, that's the guy from Chasing Amy. Um, I think that like at this point, you know, Ben Affleck really like, well, as I was talking earlier, Ben Affleck's a great director. People should talk about him as a great, but nobody's been able to forget. Gilly oh, I and think Jersey I feel Girl. like people have forgotten Jersey Girl. <laughs> people have definitely forgot people haven't forgotten yeah, that he I was feel in like some this generation when they're thinking of like the bad movie Ben Affleck is in there I actually think I actually think that they go to Daredevil uh, or you know what maybe yeah that's Batman super recent yeah, um, no one will be forgiven for that. Um, have you seen Jesse Eisenberg in anything since? Nope. I, that's what a weird <laughs> thing to kill your career. Yeah, like a two hundred million dollar movie. Um... <laughs> and here's the thing: Jesse Eisenberg was in a movie that won best. He was nominated for best actor in a movie that oh didn't win best picture, but yeah. was nominated. For yeah, where he played the bad guy. The and you know what? You know what's a red flag is when people think that he didn't play the bad guy. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. In the social network. Uh, yeah, he played Mark Zuckerberg, and he looks nothing like Mark Zuckerberg. But like, he played the character. You know who looks well? like Mark like Zuckerberg? Um, is uh, Brent Spiner. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's particularly when he's playing Data, because because Mark Zuckerberg constantly looks like he has no soul. 
Um, <laughs> I think it's just because uh, Brent's he's really yeah, good. Yeah, and, just and that Mark Zuckerberg face. has no choice but to be just a piece of shit uh, because he developed an entire social network so he could judge whether or not people were <laughs> hot, and then he used it to overthrow a government. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> there's there's just all of the song the <laughs> words in the Grinch song also would describe um, Mark. Yeah. Zuckerberg. Don't don't you know all the words to that song? Mark Zuckerberg is a two-decker sauerkraut and toadstool sandwich <laughs> with arsenic sauce. But um, next week, next week, we're going to watch, um, what's that movie called again? The Princess? Princess and the Frog. Is, 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 yeah, The Princess and the Frog. Yeah. It's The Princess and the Frog. It's a really cool movie. John Goodman's playing a character set in New Orleans again. It's a Disney movie. It's an animated one. And it was the last traditionally animated yeah, yeah, I've never movie. Before they switched over to like the 3D, like the Rapunzel and the Frozen, like that kind of 3D effect. It was and the last I have one never that was like drawn it. on paper. Um I love it. I I think it's really good. Uh, I mean, it's a, still a Disney movie in parts, but like overall, I'm looking forward. I think it's I'm looking really forward well to seeing movie. it because it's like the very first non-white princess. Um, so that's kind of an interesting uh, for like historical. Even though she's like apparently only you know a human for like a third of the movie, they make her a frog for most of it. Yeah. That's a bit of a it's a bit of a problem. And I'll, did you hear that uh, they're taking out oh, finally. Splash Mountain in Disneyland and replacing it with like, and they're oh. replacing it with a Princess ah. and the Frog ride, which they're I like, think oh. is pretty apt. A ride based on the movie we pretend doesn't exist, which is all about how slavery was awesome, and we're realizing that this isn't the best climate for that. So let's replace it with the only black princess. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, fuck, we need to do something. We need to make everybody forget Zippity Doodah right away because it's a catchy song, but it's like even like the like even if you go into like the origins of the lyrics to Zippity Doodah. Yeah, because you can go like oh, but the actor who fuck. played him was nominated for an Academy Award. But then you go like, but he wasn't allowed in the same doors as the other actor. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like the whole, like, I actually listened to like a uh, five part mini uh, uh, podcast series last winter all about uh, uh, the Splash Mountain um, uh, Song of the South. And, like, how it was made and how, like, Walt Disney really tried hard to make the movie not racist. So what he did was he hired <laughs> Jewish screenwriters. <laughs> Everyone was so he could be like, this isn't racist. There's Jewish people here. And it's like, why? what the fuck? fuck are you talking about and like the black community is like why don't you bring in some black people here and they're like i'm not eh. racist i hired a jew um <laughs> like, what? like the whole movie is just such you know what i do have like some more of a curiosity because the thing is is that you can find um birth of a nation 
to watch that, which is like the movie that was actually screened at the White House, which is about the Ku Klux Klan. But you have a real hard time finding um, Song of the South because Disney does not want you to watch it. Um, <laughs> but I'm morbidly curious about it. But yeah. I, I, I'm morbidly curious, but I feel like just most of the movie would probably suck. With yeah, and I would definitely want to watch it on Incognito because who I don't want to get those kind of targeted ads. So... So yeah, so uh, join us next week <laughs> as we probably die. We'll probably be talking a little bit about Princess and the Frog before we talk about probably the racism the of, about of Walt Disney. Um, yeah, so yeah, so uh, on that note, uh, sure. don't forget, uh, fuck the police. <laughs> fuck the police.